Well, good morning. My name is Caleb. I uh, help serve in the leadership team here at Hope, mainly in the area of middle school and high school students. Uh, throughout the week, I actually teach uh, middle school and get to coach at the high school. I teach at Mount Jordan Middle School, 7th grade history, and then also uh, coach a little basketball at Hillcrest High School. So I uh, would love to get to know you. If I don't know you who's in the room, I think, like David said, there's a lot of Hope Churchers in here this morning, and it's good to have all you guys with us this morning. Uh, this morning, we are going to finish up our... Uh, refocus series here at the beginning of the year, seeing what God has to say to us and our families. We're going to be in Psalm 78, Psalm 78. So turn and tap your way there if you have your Bible. If you don't, don't panic. We'll have the words up on the screen as well as words from other scripture that we're going to look at as we go. I'd encourage you to follow along as we go. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, for me, I have memories of uh, my grandparents and uh, my gr- one of my grandparents, specifically my grandpa and his hobbies. Uh, if you had, uh, if you have memories of your grandparents, or you uh, have uh, had a grandparent that you might have been close to, maybe you you can think of some hobbies that they were uh, into. Uh, in their older age, maybe they had more time in their hands, or they just had that hobby that they really spent a lot of time on. For my grandpa, there were a few different things that come to mind, but one of them was family history and genealogy, so the history of, uh, of our family and kind of dating back. And uh, when he was into that, um, as, I, as I'm thinking about this as a kid, is he was into that in a time when it wasn't really easy to, to find that stuff out or to kind of put together the files on that. Like today, we have Ancestry.com. There's other services out there that make that pretty easy. You can save everything in the cloud. I remember there being, I think, some CDs with software on it, maybe even some floppy disks involved, if you guys remember those things. Um, and so it was, he, but he was into it, and he, he kept up with it, and he, he was looking into it and trying to go further back and further back. And uh, history was a big part of uh, his life. He, that was a hobby for him. That was a big part of what he did in his spare time. I remember lots of history books. He was big into the Civil War. I remember even Civil War battle reac- reenactments I think he went to. So he was very much into history. And uh, it's funny because I think about myself now, and I'm a history teacher. And history is an important part of my life. And thinking about the impact that my family has had on me as it relates to that. Because there's other history lovers in my family as well. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we think about our families, we can think about the impacts that they've had on us. We can think about neutral impacts, maybe just what we're interested in or kind of what we spend our time doing or hobbies we get involved in or maybe vocational, how we kind of ended up doing what we're doing. Uh, They could be positive impacts about who we are as a person, maybe even spiritual and how God has uh, used our families. Uh, Or if we're honest with ourselves, maybe even there's some negative impacts that we can think of as well. Regardless, uh, family plays a major part in God's plan for how he set up the world. It plays a major part in how God is at work saving his people. And this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 78 and see uh, what God has to say to us about our family. Psalm 78 is a historical psalm. It's, I believe, the second longest psalm in the Bible. We are not going to go through the whole thing. We're just going to go through the introduction, the first eight verses together, and see and um, set up why this history of God's saving work is so important and how we can go about emphasizing that within our families. And as we look at what God has to say to us, uh, we're going to see a big vision for what he can do in our families and how he can uh, really begin to work in just ordinary ways. So let's see what God has to say to us in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 says, 
Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that we are to learn and grow and learn in our learning of who God is and what he's done in the gospel in saving his people. We're, going, we're to grow in our learning of redemption history, which we'll see throughout this passage. Now, but for a minute there, I think you guys might be thinking, grow in learning. Learning, okay, where is learning in these first four verses? Well, uh, it, there definitely is a telling and teaching component, but there's also uh, things that we have heard and known, right, that our fathers have told us. There is a, uh, there's a component of, fig- of learning and intaking that knowledge of who God is and what he's done and how he has saved his people and how he is saving his people. For those in the, that are part of the Hope Church family that are teachers, and we have, we have some that are, here, that are usually here on a regular basis, a lot of teachers within this church family, uh, but as a teacher I can say, and they could tell you, that we had to go through programs in order to be able to teach that subject. We couldn't just be like, hey, I want to be this teacher, and then they just throw us in a classroom. We had to prove that we knew that subject before we were able to go in and teach it. If you just were like, oh, Caleb, you're a teacher? Why, there's an opening at my son's math, uh, math, there's a math teacher opening at my son's school. I think you should apply for it. I think you should be his math teacher. No, you don't. You don't want me to be his math teacher, okay? That would not go well. Uh, I do not have the prerequisite knowledge of math in order to go walk into a math classroom and be a good math teacher. Maybe I might keep their attention talking about something, but it wouldn't be math. Uh, and so I think that it's important for us to realize that in order to teach something, you got to know it. you got to learn it first. And that is something that when it comes to who God is and the gospel, we really got to prioritize in our lives. So does that mean then that you got to be a biblical expert or scholar in order to be able to teach your children? No, that's not what it's saying. But there is a hearing and knowing piece. There is a growing into a greater knowledge of God and the gospel and a growth into an experiential knowledge of who God is and what the gospel means for you personally and how you can grow in grace and freedom within your families, that, there is definitely that component. There's actually a really good resource I was helped by recently called Gospel-Centered Parenting. A little short book, less than 100 pages, tons of practical wisdom by a, a British pastor and a Bible teacher. And uh, in that book, there was a quote that stood out to me really, really in really, really, really major way. It said this. Here's what the Bible doesn't say about parenting. We show everyone what good Christians we are by having lovely children. The more we do this, the more accepted by God we feel. If we're good parents, then we'll know God's blessing and have a good standing in other people's eyes. Then we can feel really good about ourselves. Does any of this sound familiar? Now, If it sounds familiar, it's not because it's in the Bible, it's because it's in our heart, and it's something that we struggle with. We like to find our identity in who we are as parents, or who we are as leaders of the next generation, and leaders of our kids. But if we look at what the Bible says, and they ask you to do that in that book, they ask you to contrast that with Romans 5, so let's do that together, see what it says. 
Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, as people who follow Jesus, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, your foundation or identity isn't as a parent or isn't based off of who your family is or what your family is. Your, your identity and your foundation is based on Jesus and who you are in him. There's an invitation here to know Jesus. And whoever's in the room, if you have not put your faith and trust in God and been made right with God by faith in Jesus, that offer is freely given. And if you have accepted that offer and you do follow Jesus, then you can take encouragement in the fact that it's not based on who you are and what you do as a parent or fill in the blank. It's based on what Jesus has done. And we can trust in that fact and begin to experience that in our own lives. Then be able to take that to the next generation and grow and learn and begin to teach them. Not just grow in our learning and experience, but then begin to actually teach and tell the next generation of God. And we see that again in Psalm 78, verse 4. It says, again, verse 4, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So we see clearly the imperative to tell the next generation and for that to be a legacy within our families. We're supposed to tell the next generation of God and how awesome he is, but let's go a little deeper into that. What else does that look like? Well, there's other commands to tell the next generation of the Bible, and there's actually one that we can find in Deuteronomy 6. Ben mentioned Deuteronomy 6 last week in our our refocus series as we were discussing about what God wants to do, uh, what wants from you in your own life, not just, not just what he wants, but you want your heart, not once materially, but wants your heart and how that's important. And Deuteronomy 6 makes that crystal clear. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God's supposed to be the center of your life. God is the center of your life if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So again, God being the center, God being the priority. That's what we're to tell the next generation. Now, we see the imperative to tell. We see what it it means here. But where and when is this supposed to happen? Is this just supposed to be something that happens on Sundays? By experts, quote-unquote experts? Is this supposed to be something that just happens at, uh, just, you know, on, at church and these walls and these different classrooms? Is this supposed to be something that, like, oh, I'm just going to send my kid to a Christian school and let them do it? Is that what we're supposed to do? Well, Deuteronomy 6 goes on to say in verse 7, You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, like signs, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deuteronomy 11 goes into detail as well. It says you shall teach them to your children, talking to them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So where and when are we to teach and tell the next generation? Everyday life. Everyday life. The everyday moments of life. 
And this is something that planning and strategizing about, like, it's, it's a worthy pursuit here. If you want to make time for something, you plan for it, you strategize for it. I, uh, you don't, when you go on vacation, you don't just be like, hey, we're just going to go here, and then we'll just figure it out once we get there. Maybe you do. I, I don't know. I, I can speak from experience that usually doesn't go well, as I have tried to do something similar to that, okay? It's not a great idea. Usually we're thinking about where we're going and what we're going to be doing. Even if it is a lot of resting, we're planning and strategizing for that. And planning and strategizing within your family and what this can look like within your family is something that's worth doing. It's worth taking the time to do that and talking with the spouse or talking with whoever is involved in uh, disciple, discipling your kids and who's within your family. Uh, and that's something that's worth doing. And Hope's mission for families, uh, the stu- next generation ministry, mission statement, the, what we want to see in families here at Hope Church, whether it's Hope students, Hope kids, uh, fill in the blank, is we want to see parents be the primary faith leaders in their home. We want to see parents be the primary faith leaders in their home. And we want to help equip you guys to do that. So if you are struggling with that or what that could look like or how that should kind of look on a day-to-day basis, uh, please come talk to us. We'd love to help you out with that any way we can. Uh, talk to a pastor, talk to a ministry leader, a community group leader, maybe someone else that's in the church that you know is doing some really neat stuff within their family and discipleship. Uh, that's, it's a community effort. We're all in this together. There's no expert, quote-unquote expert, at this. Everybody's broken when it comes to uh, pursuing this, yet God can work through broken people and does, and we can uh, work together on this, and that's something I would encourage you to do. Andrew Hobbs sends great resources out with, within his ministry. Uh, I'd encourage you to take a look at those if you're on those emails. I can speak from experience, again, about how uh, my little toddler has been able to pick up some stuff from some of the stuff that he sends out. It's, it's really neat to see how God can work through that. Even if it just looks messy and it really doesn't have a lot of structure to it, the everyday moments of life, right? The, the, the at the dinner table, the night before bed, at night before bed, in the car on the way to a game or to school, uh, just the everyday moments of life, talking about God and telling the next generation about God can be used by God in mighty, mighty ways. Susanna Wesley was a mom that many, if you saw her, would probably say she was a fairly average mom. Uh, She was a mom at the turn of the 18th century, so she was different in that regard. And she did have nine kids, so maybe she wasn't average in that regard. Uh, However, she was just your typical mom who uh, prioritized in her own family telling her kids about God and telling the next generation about God. She, uh, two of her kids, John and Charles, both were incredible leaders within the English-speaking Christian church at that time. John founded a major church planning and church renewal movement. Charles helped him out with that and then also wrote some incredible Christian songs and hymns that are still sung today. And Susanna Wesley prioritized within her week a weekly private spiritual conversation with each of her children. Just made that a part of her week. And in doing so, had an incredible effect on her kids. When she died at age of 73, she was surrounded by her nine kids, and they loved her and knew the impact that she had. On her epitaph, Charles wrote, Ensure in steadfast hope to rise and claim her mansion in the skies. A Christian here, her flesh laid down, the cross exchanging for a crown. Susanna Wesley was a quote-unquote average mother, but one who left an incredible legacy of faith through the simple teaching of God's word. There's a telling aspect and a discussion and a teaching aspect of God to the next generation, but there's also a showing aspect. 
is a modeling aspect. We're not just talking about head knowledge here. We're talking about heart knowledge and experience of God. And the experiencing God study that we've been talking about could be a really good resource in helping you take that next step into knowing who God is and what he wants from you and, and how that can show the gospel on a day-to-day basis from your kids. So I'd encourage you to take part in that community group uh, opportunity that we have there. And within that, as we grow in that, we can begin to show God and the gospel to our kids in ways that can be, have a lasting imprint on them. Do you, at this point, like how are we doing at, when it comes to showing the heart of God to our kids? How are we doing when it comes to apologizing and asking forgiveness from your kids to show them that you don't have it all together, but Jesus does? Those are important aspects of the gospel that we can be showing our kids. The best ministry that we can give the next generation is not going to happen within these walls. It's not going to happen at big events. It's going to happen from parents showing their kids what it means to follow Jesus on a day-to-day basis and helping them do that as well. It's the best ministry that we can have as parents and at, at Hope Church. Now, if you're in the room and you're not a currently a parent, I want to encourage you that this could, be, this could be really good truths and encouragement for you for preparation one day. You don't know what God's going to do in your life. You never know. But also on top of that, you are part of the Hope Church family. And a part of the Hope Church family, there are, I know, people who don't have kids who are telling the next generation of God. People who are pouring their lives into our students and our kids. And there's opportunities here at Hope to do that. The old African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child is one that applies in a lot of different ways, but it applies within the life of the the church. We have a responsibility as a church to tell the next generation. It's a community effort. Many in here, if you follow Jesus and are willing to serve, could take part in telling the next generation about God. There are, I think it takes about 18, typically, people to run Hope Kids on a Sunday. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of need there. But that's also a lot of opportunity, and a lot of opportunity to, to follow God in this, uh, this opportunity that we have to make him famous and to make his name great among the next generation. We don't just want more people involved in Hope Kids. I mean, we talk about it. We definitely do want that, but we, it's not just we that want that. It's God that wants this, and we see that in this passage. So we're to tell the next generation of God then we can begin to trust him with what he will do. And we see this in verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verses 7 and 8 says, So that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, After reading that verse, some of us in here, this could feel kind of heavy for us. Maybe you, your experience was more negative when it comes to the impact that your family had on you. Maybe not only did your dad not tell you about Jesus, he wasn't even around. But I want us to, I want to encourage us that we are not our parents, and not only that, God can not only save you, and if he has, he's going to change you, and he's going to use you in mighty ways. And he can do that, because as we read this passage, we can think about the fact that we are going to make sense of scripture by looking at other scripture. We're going to interpret scripture with scripture, 
And Psalm 127 is a great place to go and a place that I think will be really encouraging for each and every one of us. Psalm 127, it says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blesses the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. So we're not going to get into the details of what this passage is saying, every little minute detail, but we are going to look at a couple big principles here. The first is children are a blessing from God. They are from God, and they are God's work. So we can take encouragement with that. It's not up to you to change your children. It's up to God. And God is the one that works through us and the one that we need to be depending on regularly. It's God's work. He's the one that's at work. On our own, we fail miserably, but God's word and his work don't come up empty. And that's a great verse for us to look at as well. Is uh, Another great verse for us to look at as well is Isaiah 55, verse 11, when it comes to this. It says, So shall my word be... That goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We can take encouragement in this promise, we can declare this promise of God, and pray this promise for our kids as we give them the word, and trusting God, keeping him at the center of what we are doing. Within that, we have to look at what Psalm 78 says as well. Psalm 78, verse 8, gives us a potential for what could be if we don't keep God at the center. And what happened to Israel, the people of God, throughout history when they did not keep God at the center. Psalm 78, verse 8 says, And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the negative aspect of looking at what could happen and what did happen amongst people of God. Psalm 78 is a historical psalm, like I said. So if you read the whole passage, the whole chapter, and I'd encourage you to do so, you see a people who experienced and saw God at work in saving them in incredible ways. Yet you also see a forgetful people, a people who lacked gratitude in how they lived their life, and a people who showed a fake faith, a people who said one thing, but then their actions didn't back it up. And that is the danger that we, where we go when God is not at the center of our lives. And that is the danger that we could be leading our family to if, that, that if, we, keep, if we don't have God at the center. Now, the positive, though, and the good news is verse 7. And uh, there's a, uh, it says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. Derek Kidner, a Bible teacher and scholar, talks about this verse and he says there's a threefold cord of faith. There's a, a reliant trust in God that they should set their hope in God. There's an informed and humble way of thinking about who God is and not forget the works of God. They're remembering God. And then there's also an obedient will, but keeping his commandments. God is at the center of their lives. And we can lead our kids to do this in our families by trusting God ourselves and keeping him at the center of our lives and what we are doing and how we are spending our time personally on a day-to-day -day basis. 
We lead, this, we lead our kids to this by God's grace. We, we personally live out Deuteronomy 6, seeking to love God with all our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and prioritizing him first, then letting that outflow of love uh, allow us to work within uh, the church and the world and serve others. We pray, we, we depend on God, we put him first, and then we continue to lead our kids, and then we work, and then we pray some more. And we continue to push forward to, to what God can do within our families, prioritizing them in the day-to-day with how we live and what we spend our time on. Notice there is nothing here in this passage, nor in the Bible for that matter, about making your children or your families as comfortable as possible or making them the center of your world. In fact, there's a teaching from Jesus that is really important for us to, to look at as we are thinking about our families and what God wants from our families. In Mark 3, verse 31, this is Jesus and his, this is Jesus, we're talking about Jesus here. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister, and mother. So this teaching could be a little jarring to you if you've not seen that before. But if you are a part of God's people, if you've trusted in Jesus and you follow Jesus, we actually are a part of two families. Our own family is the primary ministry to which God has called us to. However, we do have a new family that we are loving and serving to within our church. And that is an important part of trusting God and leading our kids to do that as well in the day-to-day of life. Early on in my marriage, there, uh, uh, before kids, uh, I was at a church, and I was doing an internship with the students at this church, and I was able to go out to lunch with a pastor that was at this church. This pastor uh, just worked in a regular job throughout the week, uh, but he was a pastor at the church. He had six kids, so a pretty big quiver, as a, that Psalm passage uh, said earlier. He had a lot of kids, but his kids were awesome, um, and they were great. He was a great dad. You could tell that and how they interacted and and how he led his family. And I had a lot of respect for this man, especially as a young, newlywed dude and uh, someone who didn't even have kids yet. And so I, as I was, as we were at lunch, uh, we got talking about a lot of things. And he he had a lot of wisdom with what he said. He was very kind, gentle man, um, but yet extremely wise. And he, uh, in some of the wisdom that he said, parenting came up. And he, he decided to say some things about parenting to me. And it stuck out to me big time. Like still to this day, still stands out to me. Uh, and he, he said, I don't even remember his exact words, but they were something effect of your kids are adaptable and uh, you don't need to make excuses for your kids when it comes to loving God, serving people, doing biblical community within your church. And as someone who's, had really good fruit. His kids were awesome, and he was a, you could tell he was a great dad. That, that meant a lot. And again, his point was, don't make your kids the center of your world. Love your kids. Serve your kids. But realize that loving and serving God first teaches your kids what's most important, that they are not the center of the universe. God is, and that is reserved for him alone. So trusting God and keeping him at the center of your life and your family's life is something that we can pursue together as well as we tell the next generation and seek to leave that legacy of faith within our families. If we're honest with ourselves, uh, teaching the next generation 
fam- our families, uh, telling it, wh- whether you're in a family or not a family that has kids, teaching the next generation is a heavy task. It's something that we can leave us feel, feeling a little nervous, even a little helpless sometimes. Again, I can speak from experience. I, I teach middle schoolers. I coach high school. I, I help teach here and lead out here with middle school and high school. And then I have little kids. And oftentimes I'm like, I hope I'm doing it right. <laughs> I hope this is okay. I hope this is good. I hope God's using this. But at the end of the day, realizing that it is God's work is a great place to find that foundation. And then pray and depend on him and get busy doing what he's called you to do and telling the next generation. Uh, The beginning of Psalm 78 has laid this out for us as well as much of the Bible. We can grow in and learn redemption history and grow in our knowledge and then also begin to experience it. And again, like I said, experiencing God's a great way to jump in on that and begin to see how God, what God wants from you and what he can teach you this year. Then we can begin to teach the next generation. And we can teach them in the everyday moments of life, all the while trusting God for what he can do and will do, relying on him in our efforts. So this year, let's tell the next generation, let's pray for our families to grow deep roots in who God is and what he's done by his grace and his power and for his glory. And let's leave a, a, a legacy of faith that lasts together. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the grace that you show us. We don't deserve it. We don't have our act together. We don't measure up, but Jesus, you did. And because of what you've done for us, we can have a right relationship with a father and have a perfect father, a father that will never let us down, a father who is faithful to us, and someone who wants to see us grow into a greater relationship with him. And and Lord, I pray that we would be willing to do that, whatever it takes, Whatever we need to say no to in, in order to say yes to you, Lord, give us strength and grace to do so. And I pray that you would speak to us this year, that you would help us, and by your grace to, to lead within our families and within the next generation, uh, prioritizing who you are and what you are doing and what you can do in their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.